Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start with a little inside baseball for you in terms of uh, preachers and how they uh, look forward to doing sermons or texts or things like this. I don't know if it's always true, but many people I know, uh, pastor friends of mine, prefer scripture that has some sort of a story to it, right? We like to tell the story of Moses or the story of Abraham or parables or a healing of Jesus or something like this, because we all think in story, right? We, we think about, we think about your, your favorite stories that you tell, family stories. You think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whatever, whatever the case may be. We think of stories, right? Um, and so those are, that's what I prefer to preach most of the time. If I can find a story and then unpack those things for us, I like to do that. Um, after that, then I'd have to deal with like, you know, a letter from Paul, which I love Paul and his letters, um, but he tells you the ideas, and then I come up here and I'm supposed to tell you the things that he told you that are ideas, right? And try to make it interesting for us. Today, I have the probably my least sought-after type of text to do for you because, as you heard from Joy, uh, Paul stands up and delivers a sermon. So one of the uh, confirmation kids on Wednesday night said, this is kind of meta, Pastor Ryan. You're going to preach a sermon about a sermon. Right? So I'm going to tell you what Paul just told you. Uh, now, if I just preach someone else's sermon, they call that plagiarism. Right? So I'm trying to think. <laughs> so I was really wrestling with what, what, what can I do with this? How do I make it connect for us? Um, and I was trying to be overly creative. Never a good idea. Just let it go. Right? Let the Spirit do what he's going to do. And I realized, you know what? Paul is preaching a killer sermon. So I'm just going to tell you what he's saying in the sermon, and we'll just spend a little time uh, catching it. Maybe you don't always, if you're like me, sometimes you don't always catch everything that was in the reading, right? And so let's just pause for a second, and let's look at some of the high points here from Paul on his sermon. So uh, this is a, uh, this is like a sham wow sermon. You guys know sham wow? Or any kind of infomercial when they're selling you on stuff? I'm not selling you on anything, I'm just telling you. But when they're selling you on something, they always say, but wait, there's more. And that's what this sermon is. Paul is giving us a, but wait, there's more sermon. So I'm going to start at the end here. This is the first good news that we're going to focus on from Paul. The first one is, he says, because Jesus is raised, you are forgiven. Now, Paul's connecting quite a few dots here to say that this guy, we believe the Messiah in Israel, raised from death. Now you have forgiveness of sin. He's connecting some dots. But it had me thinking about um, words and getting the last word or something like this. There's a running joke in our family because whenever we have a phone call with Grandma Sue, uh, FaceTime or whatever, Zoom, whatever it is, and we say goodbye on the phone, she always has to get the last buy in. Do you guys know somebody like this? Or maybe you are that person. <laughs> so sneaky. So I, I mean, even if I wasn't part of the call, if I hear that the kids are talking to Grandma Sue, I'll walk by the door. Bye! Like I'm trying to sneak in the last one, right? And maybe in more serious spaces in our lives, uh, we want to have like the last word on something. Don't you? you? If you have the last word on it, then you get to kind of assert something there. 
In my uh, life as doing ministry, I think one of the privileges that Pat and I and other pastors have, and Hyundai has, uh, is that when we get to walk alongside people at all kinds of stages of life. I don't know, sometimes you feel like in your work or in your life, you're kind of in one mode. You only see kind of that stage of life or that experience that you're in. And we're often forced out of our Selves, which is good. We, I wouldn't seek it out, but you're forced out of yourself. And you're with people when they, they bring a new life into the world and they baptize a baby, when you're dealing Sunday school or vacation Bible school with kids. I work with our teenagers here at St. Michael's. I do marriage counseling with couples that are going to get married. Um, and I've been with people at the end of their lives. I mean, even on a few occasions, had calls in the middle of the night or been at someone's bedside right before they die, right before they go to be with the Lord. And one of the things I've noticed oftentimes in that last, that latter group is that uh, if there's anything that was unsettling to them in life, they want to unburden themselves with it, right? They either want to say, confess something and say something and, and hear God's word of forgiveness, or they want to reconcile with someone that they have had a hard time with. I mean, I, I've known people, you know, a guy who didn't talk to his brother for 20 years. And then at the end, it's like, I got to call him. I got to call him and I got to get this sorted out. I mean, it's a good instinct for us. Why we wait, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we wait. But the assumption, of course, is that we got it. We have to have some resolution because this is our last chance. This is the last word because we believe that the last word is going to be death. And we need to say something before it's too late. Don't we feel that? Well, Paul tells us today, it's not true. Death does not have the last word. Jesus has the last word. Jesus is alive. Jesus is reigning. He is Lord over sin, over our regrets, over death, over all of it. He gets the first and the last word all the time. And the first and last word from God through Jesus Christ is you are forgiven. You are reconciled to God. And that means that we actually have freedom not to wait to get the last word. And we don't have to get the last buy-in. We don't have to wait until we can say the last thing at the last moment in our lives. We're actually free from that burden completely. This is really good news. But wait. There's more. Paul says that because of Jesus, all the demands of the law— all the demands of the law of Moses have been fulfilled. All those demands have been fulfilled. Many years ago, I listened to a radio show. It was on a show called This American Life, if you guys have ever caught that. Now everything's podcasting, so I don't listen to the radio. But it was an episode on This American Life, and it was about this young mom who had a terminal illness. This is kind of heavy, but uh, had a terminal illness, and she knew uh, that her life was going to come to an end, and so she wanted to write a series of letters to her daughter, who was like six or seven at the time, I think. Um, And so she writes a series of letters to her daughter. And the idea is that every year on her birthday, her daughter is going to open this letter from mom and hear a word from her. We talk about planning ahead. We talked about estate planning and funeral planning. This mom really thinking ahead about how she can keep caring for her daughter even after she's gone. Now, as you would expect, uh, right away, the daughter looks forward to this year's letter from mom. And so on her birthday, she eagerly 
opens this up and what is mom going to say to me this year? And mom has these beautiful, it's just so thoughtful, so beautiful, these letters to her daughter about, you know, what I experienced when I was eight or nine, whatever the year is, and, and what you're probably going through right now. And just, you know, some encouragement and some advice. And, and so she's eager for this, right? Well, then as she gets a little older, she's in her middle school and high school years, um, she finds that the letters start creating a strain in her relationship with her dad. So I don't know if you guys know this, but when two people are in charge of raising another person, they don't always agree on everything. Were you guys aware of this? <laughs> and even, <laughs> apparently, parenting styles can differ within a household. I didn't know. Um, actually, I learn it every day. But so... Like, even if, the, even if they're in agreement, you know, on the, on the big things, there's always the little things, the little nuances of how you would deal with the situation, how you would handle it. Well, what she started to find, this daughter, as she's opening mom's letters, is that dad's trying to raise her in a particular way, and he's alive and well, and he's there with her. And mom has this advice and these directions and this kind of approach to life, and it's not always matching up. Well, who do you think wins? You're not going to argue with the dead, right? So mom's, mom's letters just went out every time. And so it starts to create a strain with her dad in the relationship. Well, you don't understand like mom does, right? Think about when your kids pit you against each other when you're both alive, right? This is happening in the course of these letters. So that's unexpected. Then as she goes, I'm giving you the entire episode. You don't have to watch it or listen to it, but you should, right? Uh, then, as she gets into her, her teenage and 20s and starts making a life for herself, college, she's looking at getting married, I think. I don't remember every single detail, but she doesn't want to open them anymore. She doesn't want to open the letters anymore from mom because she feels the weight of the expectations in the letters, Right? Mom's trying to kind of predict what's going on. She doesn't know when she writes all this stuff down. So, um, you know, you know, like when you're a kid and you're told you can do anything and that sounds really exciting. And then you, when you fall on your face the first time, you're like, I guess I can't do that. And then you kind of get older and you deal with other failures and other things that just don't work quite well. And then you look back on your life and you're like, how did I get here? All right. Those expectations quickly turn into burdens. And that's what mom's letters started to turn into for her. She didn't want to open them up because she didn't know if she was going to live up to her mom's expectations. She didn't want the advice that was being given anymore. This, this letter, these letters became letters of the law to her. Dead letters that could not give her life. You see what's happening in this story? This is what happens for us all the time when the dead letter is the only word that we have. And that's what Paul says in his sermon that I'm preaching. His, I'm preaching his sermon, do you remember? Right? He, that's what he says in the letter. He says, the laws of Moses, which are God's holy, perfect laws. Think about that. The mom writes those letters with the best of intentions, but they can't create the relationship because the letter of the law is dead. And Paul says that because Jesus is raised, the letter of the law is not how we relate to God or to each other. Jesus establishes our relationship with God. It's living and active, and his forgiveness continues from now into eternity for us. And so all the demands of the law, 
whether they're God's perfect demands or whether they're all those spoken and unspoken demands that we experience in all of our other relationships, Jesus has fulfilled them all, and you are free. This is good news. But wait. There's even more. There's even more. Joy read for us all of that, that setup that Paul is speaking to get to those proclaiming that good news at the end of the sermon. And he talks about Israel being freed from slavery and God um, tolerating them in the wilderness with their behavior, but bringing them to a land flowing with milk and honey and calling Saul and then David uh, to be a king. And all throughout that retelling, he doesn't tell every detail of the Old Testament, but he tells all these details of the Old Testament and shows the faithfulness of God. We just sang about that, right? Great is thy faithfulness. And Paul is telling the story of God's faithfulness to his people throughout their lives and throughout time and from generation to generation. And Paul says, this message is for you. And you say, me? Yes, you. It's actually for you. Have you guys ever noticed that news doesn't tend to be good? Right? I mean, what is news? <laughs> There's usually some sort of information, something terrible and or predictable. It tends to be kind of out there and you can't do anything about it. Like I used to be a real news junkie and it's like I would know all this stuff and nothing like no actionable items for me on this at all, right? It's just kind of out there, right? And so sometimes we have a hard time you know, putting good and news together. But notice that Paul isn't just giving news like it's some information out there. Paul is telling, retelling the story of God and his faithfulness to his people. And it's your story. My wife was insistent that I make this point to you guys, so I better do it. Because I often think about the Bible as these stories of flawed people and God being faithful to them, and they're relatable, right? I can see myself in these characters, not because they're heroes, and not because they're just abject failures, but because they're human beings. They're sinners and saints, right? Beloved of God and, and fallen people. And so I can see myself in there. But my wife pointed out to me, yeah, but you can also do that in like uh, the Marvel movies, or a good novel, right? If, in other words, if there's good storytelling, you can see yourself in the character. So it's not just that we can see ourselves in the character, in the characters in the Bible. It's that Jesus has grafted us into God's family. You have been adopted through baptism. You are adopted into God's family. And so this story of Israel is your story. You are sons and daughters of Abraham, of the promise. You're not here by accident. All of this was set in motion, as Paul is describing it. Jesus is the plan from the beginning, and you are part of that plan as well. Jesus is at work by his Spirit in our lives, bringing his kingdom in our midst, not just here in the work that we do at St. Michael's, but in all the areas and callings of our lives, all the relationships that we have. Jesus is alive, and the Spirit is working. This promise is for you this story is your story. This is good news. But wait, there's more. And you're like, no, there isn't any more, Pastor Ryan. We're out of time. I am out of time. That's all the, the stuff that Paul gets at just in this one sermon. But we know that there is more. Just wait. Just wait. There's more. 
There's always more goodness from God. There's always more grace. There's always more depth in his word for you and for me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.